Welcome to the National Vaccine Information Center's Vaccine Science and Policy podcast series. These podcasts are from previously recorded and referenced commentaries and articles produced by MVIC, a charitable nonprofit organization. My name is Barbara Lowe Fisher. My son was injured by DPT vaccine in 1980, and this is a summary of a reference commentary that you can read on NVIC.org, along with special reports on the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act that NVIC submitted to the Government Accountability Office and the Advisory Commission on Childhood Vaccines. Three decades ago, Congress gave the pharmaceutical and medical trade industries a liability shield to block civil lawsuits against vaccine manufacturers and negligent doctors whenever government-mandated vaccines injure and kill children. The 1986 National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act was a social contract between government and parents whose children are required under state vaccine laws to get federally recommended vaccines in order to attend school. The history of the 1986 law has been marked by a profound betrayal of the public trust by government officials. And the social contract with parents vaccinating their children has been irreparably broken. Today, 80% of compensation awards are for adults injured by flu vaccine and not for children injured by one or more of the 16 government-mandated vaccines. Most families must wait years for claims to be paid because government officials have systematically dismantled the administrative claims process. The vaccine safety informing, recording, reporting, and research provisions that the co-founders of the National Vaccine Information Center secured in the 1986 law are not being enforced. Over the past three decades, government agencies and their pharmaceutical and medical trade industry partners have turned the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act into a drug company stockholder's dream and a parent's worst nightmare. I remember walking the halls of Congress in 1982 with other young parents of DPT vaccinated children. We were asking for a congressional investigation into the safety of the old whole cell pertussis vaccine. We did not understand why federal health agencies had not required drug companies to make that crude vaccine less toxic. We knew that one large 1981 study found that one in 110,000 DPT shots was followed by brain inflammation and one in 310,000 DPT shots by permanent brain damage. We knew another U.S. study revealed that convulsions occurred after one in 875 DPT shots and at least 18,000 children in America were either having convulsions or collapsing in shock after DPT shots. But CDC officials did not know who those children were because pediatricians were not required to report vaccine reactions or inform parents about how to monitor their children for signs and symptoms of vaccine reactions or keep permanent records of vaccines given or write down serious health problems following vaccination in medical records. Back in the 1970s and 80s, Parents were suing vaccine manufacturers selling DPT and live oral polio vaccine after children were brain injured by DPT vaccine or left paralyzed by vaccine strain polio. Parents were also filing malpractice lawsuits against pediatricians when babies were revaccinated after reacting to previous DPT shots with convulsions, shock, high-pitched screaming, and unconsciousness 
which can be signs of brain inflammation or encephalopathy, a well-known complication of vaccination since the first vaccines for smallpox and rabies. 30 years ago, high-powered attorneys for pharmaceutical corporations and pediatricians were blackmailing parents on the courthouse steps before jury trials began, so parents would agree to settle vaccine injury lawsuits without going to trial. Few parents had the money to battle big drug companies in court for long periods of time, and so many would settle for low amounts just before the trial began. As part of the settlement, parents were forced to agree that all court documents about their child's vaccine injury would be sealed and blocked from public view. I was among the parents of DPT vaccine injured children who organized after watching the Emmy award-winning TV documentary DPT Vaccine Roulette in the spring of 1982. We accepted the invitation by congressional leaders taking action after the four big drug companies marketing childhood vaccines in the U.S. told Congress they would stop distributing childhood vaccines if they were not given a liability shield. In an era when people communicated with each other on landlines and through the mail, because there was no internet, email, personal computers, or cell phones, parents of vaccine-injured children fought as hard as we could to protect the legal right to sue drug companies for vaccine injuries and deaths under the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, which was a solution Congress came up with in response to threats by the pharmaceutical industry. The American Academy of Pediatrics called the Federal Vaccine Injury Compensation Program, quote, simple justice for children. Politicians said it would be an economic safety net for every child when vaccine risks turn out to be 100%. We were promised that the program would be a more just, non-adversarial, expedited, less traumatic, and less expensive administrative alternative to a lawsuit not an exclusive legal remedy that prohibited all product liability lawsuits against vaccine manufacturers. We believed that Congress would keep the promises made to parents when it gave partial liability protection to the pharmaceutical industry producing vaccines and the medical trade industry representing pediatricians. We believed that the informing, reporting, recording, and research vaccine safety provisions would be enforced. Instead, today parents filing a vaccine injury claim on behalf of their child know that the odds of obtaining financial assistance from the government are not much better than the odds of winning a lottery. Although $3 billion has been awarded to vaccine victims, there is more than $3 billion sitting in the Vaccine Injury Trust Fund unused because Department of Health and Justice officials fight almost every award in the U.S. Court of Claims so that two out of three vaccine injury claims are denied. Parents already traumatized because their healthy child was permanently disabled or died after receiving a government-licensed and recommended vaccine are traumatized again in what has become a highly adversarial and lengthy process that too often ends in disbelief, anger, and heartbreak. 
every one of the promises made by government to parents 30 years ago has been broken. And simple justice for children has turned out to be a lie. After the U.S. Supreme Court in 2011 effectively completely shielded the pharmaceutical industry from all civil liability for injuries and deaths caused by FDA-licensed vaccines, there has been no legal accountability for any corporation or individual who develops, licenses, recommends, promotes, administers, or mandates vaccines that injure and kill Americans. Now, in a desperate attempt to convince the public that vaccines are the only class of pharmaceutical product in the history of pharmacology, completely free of serious side effects, the genetically defective label is being slapped on children who suffer brain inflammation and permanent brain damage after vaccination. Even though scientists have known for more than a century that vaccines can cause seizures, brain inflammation, and permanent brain damage, also called encephalopathy, doctors working for government and with industry want to pretend that vaccines containing lab-altered bacteria and live viruses, toxins, chemicals, foreign DNA, and other contaminants do not brain damage anyone, especially healthy infants. Children who become brain damaged after receiving pertussis-containing vaccines are especially being targeted in a blatant attempt to rewrite history because the majority of compensation awards for children have been for pertussis-containing vaccine injuries and deaths. And that is because the science is clear. Pertussis vaccine is indeed causally related to encephalitis and chronic neurological dysfunction in both animals and humans. In fact, pertussis toxin and pertussis vaccine have been used in labs for decades to reliably stimulate experimental autoimmune encephalomyelitis in mice and rats. The newest ploy by government health officials is to allege that if a child's health suddenly deteriorates after vaccination, especially after pertussis vaccination, it is caused by unavoidable de novo, that's a Latin word for new, genetic mutations the child probably did not inherit, but spontaneously developed at some point in his or her life. That's right. Government officials and the hired guns they pay with your taxpayer dollars want you to believe that if your child was developing normally before getting three or six or 10 government mandated vaccines on the same day, especially pertussis containing vaccines, and then has a seizure and develops encephalopathy within hours or days of getting those vaccines, your child was predestined to become brain injured at that moment in time even if no vaccines had been given. The government's it's your fault causation theory goes like this. Since public health officials believe it was your child's destiny to develop random new mutations that cause chronic brain dysfunction, no vaccine injury compensation is to be awarded because the vaccines didn't do it. The vaccine manufacturers selling the vaccines didn't do it. The federal health officials who licensed and recommended the vaccines didn't do it. The state health officials and legislators who voted to mandate the vaccines didn't do it. The doctor giving the vaccines didn't do it. You and your child's spontaneously defective genes did it. So you and your child are on your own. And this is already happening. 
Normally developing children who have experienced seizures and other signs of encephalopathy within hours or days of vaccination, especially after being injected with pertussis-containing vaccines, are being denied vaccine injury compensation because government officials argue that vaccinations simply triggered the brain deterioration process and the child's spontaneously defective genes are solely to blame. And now, when a special master in the U.S. Court of Claims does award compensation for a pertussis vaccine injury, it is appealed by the government so that financial assistance is taken away from the child and parents raising their vaccine handicapped child. But not all children with de novo genetic mutations go on to develop seizure disorders and brain dysfunction. A normally developing child might have continued to develop normally for many years if the pertussis vaccine or other vaccines had not been given. But doctors do not screen children for genetic susceptibility before vaccinating them. In fact, the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act specified that children with pre-existing conditions made worse after vaccination are not disqualified from receiving vaccine injury compensation. That is because susceptible children with underlying health conditions who develop catastrophic brain injuries after vaccination are precisely the ones who should be the first to be awarded uncontested federal vaccine injury compensation. Public health officials are well aware that we are all unique individuals and that there are genetic, biological, and environmental differences among us, including those that increase our susceptibility to prescription drug and vaccine reactions. Scientists do not know how, why, or when genetic mutations spontaneously occur and cause harm. They are just beginning to understand that our health is not only affected by the genes we inherit from parents. Our genes are turned on and off and mutate due to environmental exposures and other health choices our parents and grandparents made and that we are exposed to or make during our own life. The Vaccine Injury Compensation Program has been a failed experiment in tort reform for many years and it is long past time for a congressional investigation. Years of neglect and failure to provide oversight on a law that parents were promised would be simple justice for children has allowed government with the help of industry to break the program apart to the point where it cannot and should not be salvaged. Protecting profit-making corporations from product liability especially when they partner with government to mandate use of their products is a bad idea. It is time to repeal the 1986 law and again hold pharmaceutical corporations accountable for the risks and failures of vaccine products in a civil court of law. Without a legal check and balance on companies whose products are mandated by government, vaccines that cause harm and fail to work can stay on the market and people can be exploited, especially when government vaccine policies fail to respect biodiversity and end up selecting the genetically vulnerable 
for sacrifice. The broken social contract with parents by government is one more reason why it is so important for Americans to defend the human right to exercise voluntary informed consent to medical risk-taking, especially vaccine risk-taking. If we don't protect our legal right to know and freedom to choose now, we will be held captive by corporations and government throwing the most vaccine vulnerable among us under the bus. Go to nbic.org and nbicadvocacy.org today to find out how you can work with others in your state to secure and protect flexible medical, religious, and conscientious belief exemptions in vaccine laws. It's your health, your family, your choice. Before you take a risk, find out what it is. To learn more about vaccines, diseases, and the human right to informed consent, visit mvic.org, the website of the nonprofit charity, the National Vaccine Information Center. Since 1982, MVIC has worked to prevent vaccine injuries and deaths through public education and to secure informed consent protections in U.S. vaccine policies and laws. Visit mvic.org and mvicadvocacy.org to get well-referenced vaccine information that you can trust and share with your family, friends, and members of your community. It's your health, your family, your choice.